So firstly, I'd like to say a massive thank you to everybody for joining us today. So of course, we've got Ilya, Agnes and Rabbi. So thank you very much for joining us today. Um, and of course, we're going to be discussing AI product innovation, how to harness the power of AI. So before we jump into the questions, if everybody would like to give a quick introduction to themselves, that would be great. So if Ilya, if you'd like to go first, that'd be lovely. Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, I'm Ilya. Uh, I'm an architect uh, in Klarna. Uh, I've been here for around four years uh, at Klarna. I've dealt with uh, payment processing. And uh, recently, uh, I'm working with AI and AI initiatives in Klarna. Nice. Thank you very much for that introduction, Ilya. If, uh, Ravi, if you'd like to go next, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Uh, this introduction always makes me feel old, but uh, hi, this is Ravi. I'm working as head of data and analytics at Zipster. I started like a year ago, and right now my team is working on building a robust and scalable ML infrastructure for news media where we can experiment faster and put stuff into productionization. And yeah, I've worked my whole my life as a data scientist or an analyst from HBO to banks to tell it also. And yeah, that's my background, basically. Great. Thank you very much for that introduction, Ravi. And Magnus, last but certainly not least, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Of course. Uh, hi, uh, Magnus, Senior Director of Data and Platform at uh, VOI, which means basically I'm leading our data engineering, data analytics, machine learning uh, units, as well as our cloud platform and developer experience teams. I've uh, been here for two and a half years, so obviously very much into AI, AI nowadays, so looking forward to this. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Same here. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us. We'll jump straight into the questions now then. Um, so the first question is, um, can you give some examples of the key ways AI is revolutionizing product development in your company currently? So if Magnus, if you'd like to go first. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, we, I think we are using AI across uh many parts of avoid today and obviously planning to do, to do even more of that uh, going forward um, so spanning from from safety uh, how can we kind of detect and prevent uh, tandem riding and payment riding uh, drunk riding uh, pedestrian detection everything around safety is very important for us we see a lot of potential with AI in that space Compliance like parking, which I'm sure you're aware of that kind of challenge some cities have. Uh, also something we're trying to tackle with AI. Um, how are all operations uh, units? How do we match supply and demand in a, in, in a good way? 
also super AI heavy products we're building there. Um, and obviously user support, understanding uh, user experience, as well as like more internal efficiency within engineering, data analytics, workplace overall. So yeah, quite broad use of AI today. Um, that's why. Nice, interesting stuff. Um, Rabbi? Uh, yes, sure. Uh, so it's it's very interesting when we see like AI in news media because whole news business is built around trust. So there has been a lot of initiative going inside Shapestead. Uh, from like something which is basic in a sense, like collaborative filtering, where we now have tools which we have integrated to our CMS system, which help journalists to take on which article would be better to recommend and everything. Uh, and on the other spectrum of it would be uh, we have a team in Seepstead who have trained their own LLM model and uh, on Seepstead data. And now that is being used by the journalists to create uh, SEO titles and tags to with uh, work with those so there is like a whole spectrum of things working out and now we have started working on this standardizing the best practices and how we take care of this ai so i would say ai is like used quite a lot across a lot of different teams a lot of different brands right now nice Ilya. yes uh so ai is used for a while in Klarna. Uh, we uh we actually have been uh, implementing AI into our products uh, for years now, and it starts with the risk processes. Uh, so uh, when we do risk assessment for handing out, handing out loans, etc., we use some simple models and uh, linear regressions to, to predict uh, the, the, the risk for a given loan. Uh, we also uh, use, uh, if, you, if you use the Karna app, uh, and you go to the browser, you may notice that when you're trying to buy something, you may get pop-ups and you may get like suggestions on uh, how to complete your purchase and how to use Klarna. Uh, that also uses AI to detect where you are uh, on a merchant uh, website. Then if you open the, the app, you'll see there's a lot of products. And uh, these products are not sold by Klarna. They are actually sourced from the, the internet. Uh, and this is um, in many different markets, in many different languages. So you can imagine that all of those products, they have different data structures from different sources, and they have uh, different visualizations, different namings. So we use uh, AI and ML products to convert all of that and standardize it into our own product catalog that you see in the app. Then you also get uh, recommendations in your, in your home fit, and those adapt as you... Uh, as you shop, and uh, these uh, recommendations are powered by um, a writing uh, engine that uh, gives you the most relevant suggestions uh, for, based on your based on your purchases. Um, recently, we we also started uh, rolling out um, a search functionality that understands uh, what you're searching for. So, for example. You could say like a great wedding gift, and that would give you like a product that would be good for, for a wedding gift. Um, and uh, that, that's still being rolled out, and we're still rolling out as well the shopping lens, which will allow you to take a photo, and then you'll be able to uh, get to the, the the products directly. Yeah, so a lot of places. Yeah. 
Nice. I saw that recently, actually. It looks really cool, that part as well. Oh, nice. Well, thank you, everybody, for um, them introductions into the sort of the product development that you're working on currently. We'll go into the sort of the questions now asked by each of you. Um, so first question is from Magnus. And Magnus's question is, um, what do you think are the most underestimated challenges faced by organizations looking to integrate AI into their products? So if Magnus, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question, and then I'll let everybody jump in. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, I think this, uh, obviously, I find a very interesting question. Uh, I think we all see that uh, AI, I mean, is already and will even more down the line bring huge opportunities for how we build new products, how we build better products, how we can become more uh, kind of productive and efficient when, when we build products. Uh, there's almost uh, kind of no limit, as I see it, in, in the possibilities. Uh, now I'm talking about both traditional AI and, and gen AI. Um, so for me, the question is more like, okay, um, are, I, I do see kind of a pattern that maybe companies are uh, yeah, we're in the middle of the hype and, and companies are kind of underestimated to really make this work in a good way and really get the true value out of it. Um, so I, I think when we kind of pass the, the initial hype here, there are certain questions that, that companies will will, uh, will face and that needs to be dealt with. So that's that's my question to you. What, what, do, you, what do you see are the kind of a most underestimated uh, challenges or, or questions that, that companies are generally not like paying enough attention to right now at least? Um, yeah, uh, I can try to answer that because I think we are kind of facing the same thing. Uh, uh, and when I look at it, I think it's like at a different level. So one is when you are trying to define your product. Uh, because of the hype, a lot of people just want to add AI to their product without having the use cases. So first we have to think about what the problem we are trying to solve. Is this the best place to actually use AI? Imagine that you have that use case. You already know AI is the best solution for this product. Then comes to a, a point where I could sound like a broken record, but it's like, do you have the data for it? Do you have a good enough platform for it? So, uh, that would be the, I think that's the basic any company who wants to work with AI is like how good their data platform is, how good uh, they trust their data, is everything standardized, do you have good enough governance. Once a company has figured it out, which is a journey on, on its own, I would say, so like fixing those and then moving towards a place where you can work on those AI feature where it's also kind of interpretable in a way. So because we are moving into the realms of LLM and everybody wants to use those and those are like a black box. So how can you explain how your model or your product is using those data to work with those AI features? I think these things people don't understand. Uh, understand. And then there's a layer of privacy and those concerns. So how you are using your data, can you go back and explain to your customer how their data was used? And there is more and more uh, stuff related to consent. If a user says they don't consent to you to use their data, do you have a setup for unlearning the machine learning? So we always talk about machine learning. There is a concept called machine learning. So you train your model on a lot of data. All of a sudden, your user doesn't want their data to be trained. Do you have setup where you can unlearn those stuff and don't waste a lot of time? 
So these are, I think, some of the big challenges which people don't understand. And uh, then you need like a cultural shift. So everybody talks about the technical problem, but if you want to be really good in terms of like AI adoption, it has to come from people, the cultural, like how you work with data, how you work with AI. So I think these are some of the things which get overlooked. I think it's really, I feel it's really like a flashback to, let's say, five, six, seven years ago when like, okay, now we have big data, we have Hadoop, we need to solve something with Hadoop. And like, instead of starting with the with actual problem, it's like you start with the technology and it's kind of similar now with Gen AI, at least in, in my in my opinion. So, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, I, I think there is a very high... Uh, high price put on the AI sticker nowadays, right? So uh, people are, are rushing to use uh, what what they what they see. And I think a lot of people that are not initiated in AI, they see like chat GPT and uh, uh, and, and, and there that is that, that that is one big problem. Um, I I, I want to support what Ravi said on the data quality, like sourcing data. I think that's the where it starts. And then uh, it's also like when you don't have the data, you need to do a, like a cold start. Like how do you how do you do that? Can you generate the data, uh, etc. Uh, there are some problems that you uh, you need to use AI to solve. Like you can do uh, in another way. Um, the an, an additional problem that is very un- underestimated is that um, the AI solutions are statistical in nature, which means they have error rates. No matter how perfectly you build your AI, it will not be 100% accurate, right? Mm-hmm. And this is very difficult, I feel, to, to always uh, uh, communicate and you know understand like, well, okay, what's the acceptable error rate and how do we uh, mitigate the 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 uh, let's say erroneous outputs that we're gonna be expecting. Um, I just want to fill in there. I think I've had uh, a few of those examples from Voy where it's like the expectations on AI is even higher than what a human would do. It's like let's say in in our case reviewing parking photos. I mean, we won't uh, don't expect like a better performance from an AI than humans doing it. It's like I think we need to calibrate that expectations and AI is more about making it more efficient, but what it yeah. can actually do in the end is like, uh, I feel it's maybe too high expectations generally. Um, yeah, yeah. On, on yeah. many aspects, so we're not fully there on AGI. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole concept of uh, generative AI can generate new content, which is kind of wrong in a way. It can only create content based on what you have fed in. So like you still need people to generate those content so that you can train your AI to create new content. Mm-hmm. So if you stop generating and innovating as a human, like your generative AI would become stale very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. 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 I, I, I will say that like generative AI will make new combinations out of the content that you feel. But yes, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It needs the content to start with. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and then the also like technical integrations across the organization with AI are also very much underestimated. I see. Yeah. yeah. In, in terms of 
in, in terms of like there's many systems that are handling uh, uh, some some job and we want to you know AI processes in, in the in the middle of it processing the data uh, the technical integration can be complex as well uh, on how you, how you integrate that and that's usually uh, underestimated and you know it's uh, uh, there's there's high expectations to to deliver those integrations very quickly mm. after you know PLC. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think uh, the era of just calling an OpenAI API and and use that for your for your product. I think it's going over quite fast, and now companies started looking at okay to make this more secure and handle privacy and ethics and everything. Okay, we need to. Do it more rigorously in a way, um, perhaps uh, building your your own models or deploying models uh, in house. Uh, which, yeah, then you have this kind of okay, how do we integrate that to the, to the rest of our products in, in a good way? Then, uh, so I think this, uh, what we've seen with ChatGPT and everything, like it's been a really good showcase of how easy it can be. Now, AI is definitely much more like easily accessible, but. Uh, I think, I mean, I agree with you. Now, when, when you start thinking about ethics and compliance and security and cost performance, all of that, I mean, you have a bigger kind of technical challenge to, to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say also, uh, I would add their metrics as well. Like, how do we measure success in a given product? Yeah. Yeah. And then, it's very uh, unclear with AI, right? Because the output can be, uh, you know, just uh, just text, or uh, if you're building like something like a chatbot, or if you're even building like a, a ranking pipeline. Okay, would, it, would is there a better, uh, let's say, item to show first uh, than the ones that we're already showing? Is a difficult uh, problem. How do you want to measure that? Yeah. yeah. To be honest, like those kind of problem kind of requires you to break down your uh, matrix into different things. So obviously, some of it would be your machine learning related stuff like accuracy and ROC and those. But then you have to also take into consideration the business impact of it. So what was the goal with you went on that product? Is like your AI is actually improving those metrics? That would be one part of the KPI and the third part would obviously be the operational stuff everybody's talking about llm like but training a llm is expensive thing the amount of money you spend on training a model and what you are getting you might actually be spending more than what you are benefiting in terms of like business revenue so mm-hmm. you have to think of all of these things before you define like how good is your model it might be really accurate but because you spend so much money training and doing it and you got like a small output it might not be good enough for you for that use case. Yeah, and, and, and at Klarna, we, we we have not trained our own LM yet. Uh, we haven't been able to to, to, to show the product, right? Uh, we are training a lot of other models, a lot of smaller models, but, but uh, I agree with you. Uh, an LLM for the payout to be there for, for training like an LLM from scratch, uh, it, it would need to achieve something that is drastically different from what foundational models can do today. Yeah. Uh, I also, uh, like, 
kind of other side of the coin of this, uh, I mean, Gen AI and LM's kind of revolution the past year, it's like also we feels like we kind of forget about there's been AI and machine learning before that. And there are other models that maybe you should use instead of Gen AI for, for your problem. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, exactly. maybe it's just me, but I see people running to Gen AI for everything instead of thinking about traditional uh, yeah, image analysis or uh, transformers or CNNs, etc. that are yeah, more proven maybe and, and definitely in many cases more suitable for use case. Um, so I think it's, yeah, we should not forget about AIs much more than Gen AI and LMs. I feel that kind of lost in a way. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. So, nice. and we, yeah, and we, yeah. we're also not training our own uh, LLMs uh, yet, at least, but uh, training a lot of our other kind of models for sure. We'll move on now to the next question. Um, this question has come from Elia. So, Elia's question is with the current AI hype, how do you select the right approach to use for different problems? And how do you communicate to stakeholders that they have less context on why using large language models is not a good choice? So if Elia, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind your question, and then I'll let everybody jump in. I feel like Magnus introduced it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great segue, to be honest, yeah, in the discussion. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, so... I've, I've been in many conversations where uh, LLMs have uh, uh, have been tr tried to be used for cases that uh, they may not be uh, perfect at doing. Um, I I can give uh, uh, many many different examples, uh, but but uh, uh, let's say one case that I had is a, a team was trying to actually do ranking with an LLM with a prompt, right? And, which uh, feels like they wouldn't get the best results. But uh, when testing, it is difficult to prove this, right? Because if the team tests and they give a certain set of, of items, then maybe the results that they see are perfectly fine for that, for that test. However, of course, uh, this doesn't hold up because the, uh, well, the, even the, if the LLM can generalize a, a rank on different items, it will not generalize a rank accurately for items that it doesn't know about and it will not evolve and there will be no no flywheel no no improvement on on, on ranking etc right so so this is a, this this is in in the in the case of, of ranking but i know this is the case for many many different uh, um, uh, aspects of uh, when 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 people try to solve something with ai today as i said uh, before people see chat gpt and they know that and they they want to use that. Right? So how, how do you folks handle that? And how, how do you see it in your company? Maybe Magnus, you can go. First. Yeah, I can. Uh, um, no, but uh, as, as you said, I was onto it already. Uh, I think overestimating the yeah the value or, what, or the, the suitability of using LMs for, for different kind of problems. Um, I think one, one way to look at it is like, uh, yeah, I think, I think generally people understand that uh, LLMs uh, are like a well-read parrot in a way. I mean, this can sound very convincing and intelligent, but it's basically us repeating what 
what it have learned in in in, in different ways. Um, and my feeling is that yeah, there is general awareness that there it's it's not like academic or hundred percent correct. You need to take it with a with a pinch of salt. Um, so I think that's probably not where I've seen the, the challenge have been. Like where where should we use LLMs or not? Uh, might be exceptions to that, but for me, it's been more. I think we need we, we need to to explain. Okay, as you said, we need high quality data if we want to build a use case that's not just based on the foundational model provided by OpenAI or any other vendor. Like we need really high quality data, and that's a big effort. Um, so going from the just calling the OpenAI API to something that's more tailored for us using our data. It's a big, big step and a lot of investments you need to do in data management and data infrastructure and so on. So I think that that's that's one to kind of try to tell that that the foundations needs to be there. Um, and then I think cost as well. I mean, so far the, the cost uh, of using LMs is pretty low, but if we're really talking, being serious and want to scale up uh, this use within companies and really integrate it into our products, the use will go up a lot and the cost will go up a lot. And I think that's where we see, uh, I think it will, I think that will become more and more of a discussion. Um, so not only for the training, but actually use of it as well. Um, and the third area that I think we should stress is ethics and, and privacy and security. I think to deal with that in a good way. Uh, it, it is not a problem for some use cases, but but for many use cases and many products, it will be an issue, right? Um, and then we come back to that again. Maybe then we need to invest in, in running these things uh, in-house uh, or uh, at least do rigorous work on, on how do we ensure security and privacy? How do we ensure that the model is ethical, for example? Um, yeah, yeah so... And I think uh, you, you're right. And uh, privacy, security, and cost, I would say, can perhaps be mitigated by uh, you know having the level one house. Like for example, if you, if you take like Falcon or something and you run in house, like that 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 would be uh, a, a way you could you could probably mitigate those. But uh, the more interesting question is like, okay, how do you highlight that this problem? Uh, is is not particularly good for now. Yeah. To be honest, like so my in my experience, when you're talking to product team, you need to talk to them as like for an end user, it doesn't matter if you use AI or not. So first thing they need to think about is what this product is for, right? So if I'm buying a Toyota car, I'm not buying because it has AI, I'm buying because it I like Supra and it drives nice and that's what I'm buying. So you need to explain to them for end product, it's kind of abstract. So think, is this going to add anything which the user would like? Talking to product in that sense kind of helps a lot. And also sometimes like because LLM is such a hype, we don't need LLM all the point. If it's just like a topic modeling, you can use so many different things to do those topic modeling without spending so much money. Like in a real world scenario, you like, Jesus, you don't use a bulldozer to plant a tree, right? You use your, so like talking in that sense, like, okay, tell me what's your problem is. And as an expert in data, let me tell you what would be solution for it. So that's the way I used to go. It's like, okay, what's the problem you want to solve? Okay, I think this is the best 
approach for this and explain to them why this is the best approach. It would save you a lot of time and money and you will still get the output, which might be like not the 100% as an LLM model, but 99%. That would be good enough from the save cost and everything you're going to make. So talking to the product team like this is a good idea to do it, where you ask them to stop thinking about AI, but think about their product value. What is going to add to the product value? I think that helps a lot in that sense. And, and, and you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, but, but, but I think uh, also there's a need to some, somehow highlight when things are certainly going to be solved by this uh, uh, model and, and using this ML approach versus, hey, this is a research project. And we don't know if this is going to be solved. You can solve it. With but, you know, we can try it this way, and it's not. We're not sure it's going to be solved, right? So, and 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 I think when those boundaries are not clear, uh, you know, people tend to think it's a research project, right? Because uh, especially in in Klarna, I would say that's the case, because we have history of AI and we have had research projects, and you know, probably people are very familiar with. How uh, how long this can take, etc. Yeah, but I, I think uh, in that sense, um, LMs or Gen AI is there's no difference between that and more traditional, you know, machine learning other kind of AI products. I mean, it needs to be a very iterative process. Uh, you need to to start small and you know go to production and learn from there. Uh, we really need to think like. In an agile way, like that, uh, and and learn because again, I mean, let's be honest. I think this is this is so new for all of us. It's not like also, as you said, Avi. Okay, we have, we have the the requirements from the product teams coming to to the data and ML teams, and also we, I think, are too often running the LLM track <laughs> path and trying trying that out. Uh, we're we're all learning still, um, and you know, yeah. for what it can be used for in a good way. So I think it's so like. Yeah, just like if you if you build your own CNNs or transformer models or uh, whatever it might be, needs to be very agile. Uh, go up, deploy something, learn from it, improve, and then maybe you you end up seeing that uh, this is actually not solving our problem. Um, so I think we should probably think in the same way uh, with Gen AI. Yeah, and that's why I feel like this whole it's a good thing that people are now very excited about it and they want to adopt it. But we need kind of a cultural shift in all the organization. It's like they everybody need to understand what is AI, how and like AI is not just about like one or two models. It's a big thing where you can use basic things and also uh, start early talking about how you're gonna build the infrastructure to support these things, to support quicker experimentation. How can an idea could become a product? So having those cultural where you have seminar, workshop, talking to different people, educating them about these. And also the challenges regarding these big models in terms of like we talked touched upon privacy and ethical compliances. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure you would come up with a, like a new guideline in a couple of years. So we instead of we working on these things and trying to backtrack, let's design our system in a way that we can keep tra- we can handle those in future. So it's a big cultural shift, I would say, than any technical challenge. I think cultural challenge is the biggest challenge right mm. now in all of these. But Ilya, do do you have any like examples from Klarna where like okay, this kind of meeting expectations on what LMs are good for or not is like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there, there is a um, very big, um, uh, well, desire to jump into LLMs for any any problem that can be solved with AI, from especially from 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 uh, the, the the product side, but also as you said, like from our side as well, a, a little bit like too too eager to to push the trigger on on you know going in in this in this route, and it doesn't help with like. Traditional ML techniques are choosing which one to try, which way, which one to start with for a new problem, a novel problem you're trying to solve, uh, is is not exactly a science. It's more like uh, it's more art. I would say it's like, oh, okay, well, based on the features that I have here, I think this one will be, and that doesn't help, right? (laughs) Because it's uh, very difficult to provide. like uh, okay, this is why we need to do it in this model, and 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 that's it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. We should go with this approach, right? It's very difficult to be concise, right? Me coming from a, a more engineering background, uh, I would say it's uh, really different because, uh, yeah, well, in architecture system design, you can clearly state like that this is what's better here, and this is why we're doing it this way. Uh, mm. and, and here you can do the same, I think, after you've tried something. But before you try it, it's very difficult if it's a novel problem. Right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one one aspect to this, well, like as we all know, LMs are not uh, like super accurate sometimes, and they might sound com- convincing, but they might not be. Uh, I think that that's for me at least like a distinction when when you should use it or or not. If it's something, let's say, uh, we use GenAI to create a report of the overall user experience the past week in in, in our different markets. Yeah, that's probably a good use case. Uh, but if you're talking about using it in let's say direct interaction or something that's impacting the the user in 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 a substantial way, so to say, whether it's declining. Uh, um, uh, some request or uh, changing uh, their user experience in some way or how we communicate them. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's where you need to be much more like. Uh, yeah. um, and, 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 and look, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, and I think it's easy in those cases where it's like internal, right? The risk is fairly low. But, you know, what, when, when you're talking about a user-facing product, then it becomes, uh, you know, difficult on how to, uh, how how to structure things on like what is the best approach, uh, and 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 give advice, right? Uh, we do have internally we have like a, a chatbot for documentation, for example, and that's that's fairly easy. And then yeah, well, if you use GPT there, that's perfectly fine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it works really well, but 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 you know it does make mistakes, and if you have it as a consumer facing product, yeah, yeah, and I think like. That's where we need to think that right now what we are trying to do is like we found a solution. Let's find a problem for it. So LLM is the solution. Everybody has it. Like everybody wants to use LLM. And then now we are trying to find a problem which LLM could solve. Uh, Maybe let's figure out what are the biggest problems we have right now. I'm pretty sure LLM will fit into a lot of them. But like my idea is that yeah, it's much bigger than LLM. It's uh, it's like a much broader, like there are so many research going on. So instead of finding a solution and figuring out, okay, which problem it could solve, let's see which are our biggest problems and which solution I can find. Maybe LLM would be one of the solutions. Maybe not. 
and it could be like a logistic regression that could solve it, which would be easier to maintain and monitor. So just shifting the thinking from solution to a problem to problem to a solution would be highly beneficial for anyone working at AI right now. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I think the having some constraint to not immediately jump into LLM, mm. uh, I, 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 I almost think when you find a problem and you say, like, I want to solve this problem, LLM should be the last thing. Like there should be first an evaluation of everything else we could do. And, and, and then we come to, to, okay, well, we need to use LLM because we can't use other things, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's really an effect of that. It's so much more easy accessible now. Like everyone is using it, uh, not only <laughs> within the data teams or ML teams. So it's kind of, I think it's very natural that we, we end up in those discussions because people see the power of it in a completely different way than before. Um, I mean, everyone has used ChatGPT. Or that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that those kind of expectations then obviously comes back to us internally. Um, but uh, absolutely yeah. nice. I'll move on now to um, the next question. I'm sure you can continue with this one for much longer, mm-hmm. but I'm just conscious of time because we have had some questions from the audience, which will go through um at the end as well um so last question from um from our panelists then so it's rabbi's question how do you ensure that that the ai technologies integrated into your products are ethically designed and deployed so if you'd like to give a bit of background rabbi and then i'll let everybody discuss yeah sure i think like we touched upon this during our discussion in terms of like how important it is to have an ethical consideration uh like any model we are using, the more complex, the more better they are becoming, they're becoming more and more of a black box. And historical, the data we have on, on internet is a bit biased in a sense. So it might not have a proper representation of all the demographics on all the races and everything, or some of the data could already be biased. And your models are learning from it, irrespective of which model it is. So, and it's going to generate something which would, could be biased. And it could depend industry to industry and product to product. But given that I'm working in news media here, it's even more critical that what we are putting out is ethical. It's taken care of. So that's why I was wondering how you guys are handling this to your end. And have you come across any of these scenarios? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I, when, whenever we discuss ethics, uh, and especially in uh, connection to, to AI, um, I like to bring up the uh, example of, uh, uh, well, um, arithmetics on embeddings, right? Uh, and we probably all of us uh, know these examples, but I'm just going to bring them up. So, like, um, King, uh, the embedding of King minus the embedding of man uh, plus the embedding of woman is actually equal to the embedding of queen, right? But if you take the same kind of approach and you take doctor and you uh, extract man, you add woman, you get nurse, right? So uh, this actually is proved that the uh, bias of the world is built into this mold, right? And uh, absolutely, it's a very it's a very critical uh, question to uh, to to discuss and tackle. And unfortunately, there's no like easy solution to it. Right uh, at Klarna, what we do, we have a quality control uh, process uh, that's uh, that's manual uh, on uh, all the AI that we do deploy. 
uh, and uh, yeah, so we have um, pretty pretty sizable uh, outsourcing operations that do check this. Um, also, we're using some new tools and we're we're, we're trying them uh, across the organization. Like, for example, there is this uh, G eval paper. I don't know if you folks have seen it, but basically, where like GPT four could be seen as a judge of output of, of AI output, right? Uh, that's a way to automate this. Um, then uh, we're we're using um, Langsmith for potential uh, evaluation. Uh, the folks from uh, Langchain actually built this. Uh, we we've also used Human Loop. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, we we've tried uh, unit testing with the uh, long chain and uh, GPT four as a validator. All of those approaches can give you some kind of um, certainty on you know uh, ethics and you know, quality of output. But I, I think we're not at a stage yet where we can remove the uh, quality control stuff. Where like you have to have humans look at it and. You know, take a representative sample of the outputs and and and, and give an assessment. Or at least that's where we are. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. I think I mean this will improve. Some vendors will be probably uh, better than others. I mean the ones building these models. Uh, so that that's maybe one way of handling it. I mean, uh, if you if you believe in this, which which we uh, all do, I hope. Um, Go for the vendors that are prioritizing this more uh, when building their models. Um, but I also think that I mean there will always be some kind of bias. Um, and uh, agree, we we need human in the loop. Still, you can't just completely rely on it and then deploy it and then then go away. Uh, I think it's very very key that that we're as humans are continue to be close to it and, and do samples or or uh, have some kind of human oversight of, of this. Um, I think that will be needed, no matter how good the, the models will be in the future. Um, I also yeah. think that as a company, you need to kind of take a stance, like how, wh- where can we kind of, where is it super, super critical, and where is it not? Where can we have some tolerance, right? Um, and there, are, I'm going back to what I said before, like in some some use cases where you have a direct impact on 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 your customers' uh, experience or um, other impact, um, there's probably more important um, than more internal decisions. Um, so let's have one example from from Voy. Now we're not doing that yet, but let's assume we we use some kind of AI models for uh, for drunk riding detection uh, at scale, um, and for some reason it would um, punish female versus male uh, riders more for some reason. Um, then what level of tolerance can we make there if it's like, okay, it, it will never be 100% the same? Um, I think those kind of internal discussions in, in the company are, will be very important. Um, so not only rely on the technology or human in the loop, uh, but uh, be clear on where is it more important than not important. Yeah, I agree. I think like this is the part of whole machine learning or AI, which can't be automated yet. Like you can have the matrix, you can have the guardrails, but you need human interaction. And at least for a couple of years, till we figure it out, like completely. 
uh, so yeah i think that that human loop and the feedback loop is something which is like having those domain experts sitting there and maybe having some kind of collaboration with academics because i know a lot of academics are putting their time and strength into doing this so that could be something good to do yeah. and an automated evaluation here is always going to be a matter of trust right how much do we trust the ai to make a decision of its own output basically <laughs> and uh, I, I i don't think we'll ever get to a point where we are 100% on that so i think there will always be a need of human in the loop is just probably varying degrees of it no i think uh, as we talked about before in terms of accuracy can we expect ai to be more accurate than humans in many use cases probably not and i uh, I think it's a similar situation with, with bias. Um, we can do what we can to, to reduce it, but it will always be there. I think that's unavoidable. Um, but I think also transparency and explainability is quite key here, um, which is a very big challenge today with LMs, obviously. And, and also you know, deep learning. Uh, how can we kind of justify and explain the decisions or the actions we take as a company when we when we use these technologies. I think um, the more we use it, uh, which will be the case, the more of a, of a yeah, problem or challenge that will become, I think. Um, so I hope to see uh, some some progress in that, that area. There is obviously already products uh, to handle explainability of, of AI, but um, I think we are seeing the start of that problem. Nice. Well, on that note, we'll move on to um, some questions from the audience then. Uh, whilst we've got a little bit of time left. I think we've touched on this a little bit, um, but it's good to delve a little bit deeper as this question's come from Pauline Morris. Um, so a possible limitation or problem with AI is the ownership right the ownership of the model if you train a pre-made model on your specific data set the production of the ai model like pictures or text have you had this issue so there's a question mm. uh, I'll, I'll say from uh from, from the perspective of uh Klarna, this has not been a problem. We don't generate pictures. Uh, there is some text generation that is going on, but it's also uh, transparent to users and happens uh, happens as a background process. Uh, and I, uh, this hasn't come up from like a legal assessment. Same, uh, same here. Uh, we haven't trained or tuned our uh, pre-made models for for these kind of use cases yet. So no, um, but uh, I acknowledge the question. It will probably become a a question we need to deal with. Yes. Yeah, and I mean there is a lot of question where even like us as a news media, where where Chat GPT might be using our data to train our model. Uh, that's like the other part of this problem where. Uh, like our article is our product and if you have a chatbot or like LLM model who is using your data without their consent to train a model, that's not right. So like, I think this is something which has come up over the last couple of months, I would say, which is 
becoming where it's like, where is the user, right? How are you taking care of those copyright infringements and all those things? Internally, in terms of just like AI product ownership, it depends from team to team. We have a structure uh, that has been taken care of. But yeah, the image and everything generated, this is something which has happened in the recent time. And I don't think anybody has the right answer. Everybody is trying to find a solution for it. Nice. Thank you very much for them. Um, I'll go on now to another question from the audience. Um, I believe this has come from the newsletter, but unfortunately it doesn't say who it's come from. Um, but yeah, so they've said, excited for this one. Here's the question. Um, what are the key considerations when determining the right level of AI integration into your products? When is AI overkill? Yeah, I think um, yeah, we, we're getting on, on to this one. Uh, during <laughs> during the hour here, uh, like determining when, when you uh, you know start with the problem, uh, when is AI or when is Gen AI and LEMS uh, a good solution to that? I think uh, you know highlighted um, um, everything from accuracy to to ethics to to cost uh, to explainability, uh, quality of your own data. If you're talking about running this on your own data, that's a big one, I think. Maybe I missed something. No, I think like this is what we have been kind of discussing throughout the talk is like going to basic, going back to your dashboard, like uh, drawing board and thinking, what is my product for? Is it for, uh, is AI going to solve it? If not, maybe it's not the right solution. And what part of AI do I need? So just going to basics would help anybody here when they're trying to integrate product to AI. Just get back, take a step back from all the hype and think what you're actually trying to solve. I, I absolutely agree, and uh, one 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 thing you can always be sure of is if you have a problem and you can solve it with a uh, empirical code and uh, an algorithm, probably AI is not the solution. You should probably just write the algorithm and and use your empirical code because that you you know the accuracy of, and AI you always have uh, some uncertainty on uh, based on the data. And another question now then, um, I suppose we we might have touched on this a little bit um, earlier when talking about sort of the biases um, and that sort of thing, um, but um, this is another question from the audience and so maybe we could go into a little bit more detail, but what are the steps taken to mitigate bias in AI-driven solutions? Uh I can go about because this is one area of AI which is very interesting to me and I put my time and energy into it. So this is like a multiple step kind of thing, right? So biases usually could come from your data or it could be a human added bias to your model because like the one who is training the model might tweak the model in a way which becomes biased. So first thing is like you look at your data corpus and see do we have do we have diverse enough data and do you need to do anything in terms of data updation or like manipulating your data to be more strict. Uh, next thing, which is like really good, is like, can you make your model interpretable so that you can see how a model is dis- uh, deciding what it is doing. And apart from like some neural networks and stuff, a lot of model can be interpretable now with different tools. So you can actually see how the model is doing, if this is doing something right or wrong and doing that. And one important thing which I see missing at a lot of places is having an ethical board where it's not just one person, but like a group of people from different backgrounds who can set 
work and like see how the model is performing looking. So having that human feedback loop. So like it's it's three things: make your data, which is good, interpret your model, and then have a human feedback loop where people who are there are again not like same people. Uh, you have people from business, you have people from academic, you have people who like a journalist in my case, right? Who can look at the data and give a very objective point of view. And it needs to be done continuously and it has to be part of your working culture. Mm. And I think just just to add to, to that, what I said before, I also think if you're, if you're planning to use kind of external uh, foundational models, uh, I, I, th- I think there will be vendors that will have as a USP to have uh, you know, be more ethical, really pay more attention to bias in, in the models. Um, I think that's uh, evolution that we, we're going to see in the coming years. Um, so I think adding that to it as well uh, would help. Yeah, and now TensorFlow just released beta, which they used internally, fairness indicator, where you can see how fair your model is so you see like now big companies coming up with these models and packages to help you with this so exactly yeah uh, but but i'll i'll say we touched on this quite a bit uh but but i i do agree that like the the most important thing is that you have a human in the world right uh not the all these tools and everything that's coming up and 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 uh, all of the papers that uh, are being uh, published now on this topic, they are all still very experimental. So you cannot rely on that hundred percent. Nice. I've got one finished one question now. I think that will uh, close off um, the discussion quite nicely, um, which is. What's the one key takeaway or actionable insight you'd like the audience to leave with regarding harnessing the power of AI in product innovation? So we need to summarize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think for me, I can start. <laughs> I, I think uh, uh, really think from what was your problem? Uh, don't run to to. To AR or technology, the first thing you have to do, but really think, well, what are the strengths of AI, and, and will that fit, fit into the problem you're trying to solve? Um, I think we're still passing through that kind of key question too fast. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll speak to like any engineers listening, and and, and someone that's familiar with engineering but not with AI, maybe, but. Uh, in engineering, we have like a component in databases called like a query optimizer, and 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 the query optimizer statistical information about tables, uh, but it doesn't have the data of the table. So, for example, you would ask a query optimizer like, "What's the likelihood of a certain value being here?" Uh, and you would ask the table uh, what the value is, right? And when you when you build AI solutions, you need to look at them more like the query optimizer component. They are statistical in nature, right? So the one takeaway is that don't expect uh, you, your 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 AI solution to act like a source of truth, right? It will not be. It, it, it is a statistical component that you can use to optimize the rest 
of your solution. Right? Yeah. Nice. yeah, and like I think I've mentioned it multiple times in this is like the one takeaway from this is, yeah, go back to basic, think about your product, think what is trying to solve and then use AI. So not from solution to problem, problem to solution. If you change your thinking that way, it's great that it has the hype. It's easier for people to adopt it. But let's make sure it's adopted for the purpose it is built for and not for anything else. So going to basic and thinking about what you're trying to solve is more important than thinking how AI can solve it. Nice. Well, yeah, thank you, everyone, for a great discussion. I'm going to go ahead and end the stream there. So thanks again for everyone who's joined us today. And thanks to everyone who's listening as well.